This is the Podcast Method. I'm Dan Benjamin, and I will be attempting to answer your questions about podcasting, recording, audio and video equipment, software, mic technique, pre, post-production workflows, and more as much as I can. And these questions come from you uh, on Twitter or email. Twitter's a good way to do it. I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter, and all you have to do is tweet me your question and use the hashtag podcast method. And I will see it, and I will try my best to read it and answer it either right there on Twitter or if it's a bigger question, maybe even if it's a smaller question, I'll answer it right here on the show. And I got a bunch of really great questions from you guys, even just as as recently as five minutes ago. And so I want to try and answer them here. I also have a little bit of a bigger topic to talk about. It was one I... Uh, I talked about a little bit on the last episode where I said I've come out with a new version of podcastmethod.co and I wanted to talk about that. And I also have a little bit of a gear tip that I wanted to share and a little mic technique tip I wanted to share. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Can you tell? I'm excited. And that's another tip too. Be excited when you do your show. Somebody gave me this amazing compliment recently and they said, Dan, you really are able to convey your interest and excitement in what we're talking about and what we're doing here without having like a phoniness or sounding like you're trying, you know, and I know exactly, thank you for that compliment. I forget who it was. Thank you for saying that. That is absolutely my goal because there are, anytime I hear a podcaster, I don't know, I don't know where they're learning this. I don't know if there's a, some school where they learn to talk a certain way, but this is how, if you met me, let's say I'm, I'm walking down the street, right? And you say, hey, Dan, it's, hey, how are you? We're going to talk. This is me. This is what I'm going to sound like. This is how I'm going to talk. I'm myself here with you guys. The same way that I would be if we ran into each other for a cup of coffee or met somewhere in, in the real world. And that's what you need to do, too. You need to be yourself. It will, it will be obvious if you're not being yourself. If you're, now, unless you're really good and you're doing like a character and you're like putting on a play and that's what your show is about, of course, yes, do that. But if you're interviewing somebody or if you're talking with a friend about something that you're interested in, be yourself. Don't try to change your voice. Don't try to change the way that you speak or the way that you talk because it won't be genuine and your audience will know that and they'll be put off by it. I could talk like this to you and tell you how great it's going to be to do a podcast show. No, it's not. It's horrible. Don't do that. People do that. I hear it all the time. All the time. Be yourself. I want to know you. I want to hear you. I'm tuning in to hear you. Never be afraid of of letting who you are as a person come out through your voice. And there are subtle little things that you can do when you're talking. Somebody asked me recently, how is it that you can go and do a show where it's just you talking for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? And one of the things that you can do is you can, of course, plan out ahead of time what it is that you want to talk about. You might have bullet points. You might have an outline. You might do uh, a very detailed uh, you know, Google Doc spreadsheet showing you minute by minute of what you're going to do. And all of those are valid solutions. And sometimes you show up with nothing and you just talk and that might mean more editing in, in, in post, but if that's your style, that's fine. But when you're there, just be in the right mindset. It's all about the mindset. Get excited, get interested. Like I called the last episode, get pumped. You've got to go into it feeling excited about what you're going to do. 
And don't be afraid of sharing that excitement with your audience. It is contagious. You can get someone excited about whatever the topic is. It doesn't even matter if the topic's exciting. If you get excited about it, your audience will get excited about that. And also when it comes to doing a show where it is you talking for a while, you've got to get prepared. How do you get prepared? Have a nice beverage. I recommend tea. It's better than a cold drink usually, even though you kind of like you want a cold drink, like you want a LaCroix or something. That's the, what I drink when I want something cold, something warm. I love ginger tea for, for podcasting anything with your voice. It works great. It has a little bit of a stimulating feel to it when you drink it, but it doesn't have any caffeine, so you're not going to get too wired. I don't need help getting wired. Ginger tea, highly recommend it. Maybe I'll even put that in the show notes, the one I get. It's, it's uh, the only one I've found that's strong enough ginger-wise for me. But I love that. It keeps your voice in good shape. Maybe decongest you a little bit. I mean, all these things are important. When you know that you're going to be sitting down, or in my case, standing up to talk, and that's another thing. Stand up sometimes. If you've got a microphone that's on a boom, even if that's mounted to your sitting desk, even if you don't have a standing desk, a lot of the time that, that'll reach you. So stand up. You'll find that the way you speak changes. The way that you address the microphone is different when you're standing. It's almost like you're giving a talk. But of course, you're the only one in the room probably unless you make your children or your pets watch you. But I recommend that. Try different things. If you find that you get sleepy about halfway through the show, change it up. Stand up and speak that way. Okay, now here's a little, here's a little gear tip. The mute switch. Oh, man. I know that I've talked about mute switches before in the past on this show. But I want to bring it up again because without a mute switch, I don't know, I don't know what people are doing without a mute switch. Tell you what, I don't even know. The one I've got is called a shortstop, and I'll put that in the uh, show notes for sure. Is it the best one for me? Yeah, and this thing takes all kind of abuse. I've got a handful of these things, three or four of them, and I've never had one break. And I've had all kinds of co-hosts and guests use them. What it is is it's it's a little metal box. It's got an XLR input and an XLR output. And it's got a little button on the top. And the button looks kind of like something you would press, like with your thumb, but it's actually intended to be stomped on. Not really hard, but it can take that. Uh, or you can use it with your, uh, with your hand or, or a finger if you want. But this thing is, is designed to take some abuse. You put it down under the desk and it goes right in, uh, in, in the path for your, uh, from your microphone to your preamp. And then when you step on it, it mutes everything. Uh, I don't really see that it's worth me giving you a, a demo because it's just muting it, but and then it's unmuted, you see? So if I'm talking to you like this and then I have to cough, you didn't hear the cough, did you? No, because I stomped on the mute switch box. It's simple. And of course, you can do it while you're talking and get kind of stuff like that if you want to be silly. But that's the point is it, it cuts off the signal and you do it with your foot. You don't have to worry about taking your hands off your keyboard or taking, putting your pen down or anything like that. Super, super useful when there's going to be a sound in the room or there is a sound and you, you, you just want to block that. You should know, your audience should never hear you cough or sneeze or something like that unless it's some kind of bit that you're doing. And, uh, and, and you shouldn't have to go back and edit that out later. If you're in the midst of a conversation and your, your guest or your co-host is talking about something, 
you step on that mute switch for a second while you clear your throat and your, your co-host won't even know that you cleared your throat. It's genius. Things have been around forever. They're not too expensive. And of course, it won't help you if you've got a USB mic. If you've got a USB mic, it's, uh, it's a totally different, uh, totally different scenario. And there's software for this. Uh, a lot of people have written different solutions, and I'll put one of them, uh, or a couple of them maybe, into the show notes uh, as well. The show notes are going to be at 5by5.tv slash podcast method slash 25. You can go there, and I, I will put in all of these things that I'm mentioning here. I want to jump in and answer a couple of questions. Uh, Jasonian, who is at underscore Jasonian on Twitter, says, should I plan on paying guests? Is there a standard rate? If so, regular folk, not someone publishing a book, etc. I, I, am, I, have, I have several different opinions on this. When I first started podcasting in 2006, no one even knew really what it was, 2007 maybe. No one knew what it was. Nobody paid anybody for anything. You were just recording a show because it was fun. By the time I started doing it full-time in 2008 and then launching 5x5 in 2009, the consensus was you don't pay a guest, but you definitely pay a co-host. In other words, if there's somebody who's co-hosting or hosting the show, they, they should get paid some way or other. Uh, in some cases, on shows that maybe didn't make any money or shows that were kind of like losing money in the sense of you recorded them, but then you had to edit them and host the files and they didn't have sponsors, so technically you're, you're losing money, uh, in, 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 which is fine. I'm, People spend a lot of money on their hobbies. In those situations, uh, a lot of the time, no one got paid anything. Uh, we were doing it because we loved it. But these days, if you invite someone onto your show and they say yes, I think you have to be clear whether or not you're going to pay them when you're doing that invitation. So I don't think I have ever once been paid to be a guest on anything, anywhere. Nor would I expect to be, not at the podcast level. Uh, I've never been paid to be a guest. I would never want, I don't want to say I never want, hey, you want to pay me to be your guest? Sure. But I don't think that's typical, and I don't think guests expect that. I think a co-host or somebody who's in a, in a, uh, in a role for the show, doing the show, they, they, they can and should be paid uh, if, if that's possible. And how much you pay them is totally up to you. I understand that in show business, in Hollywood, if you were to go and be on a show that there's, at, there's some kind of minimum that they're required to get, it, it's usually a token amount, uh, and I don't know what that is anymore. It used to be a few hundred dollars, and if you showed up on a show, like if you were going to be on The Tonight Show, they would get paid, but usually it wasn't that much money, but then again, they're doing it because they are promoting something. They're promoting their TV show or their movie or their book, like you mentioned, Jasonian. If you're talking about a regular person guesting on a show, my gut instinct is no. They should not need to get paid for that. And if you extend the invitation to them and say, hey, I wanted to invite you to be a guest on my podcast. You won't get paid for it, but I sure would love to have you there. Then they know, right, oh, you know, I don't think I have time to fit that in this week. Or gosh, a podcast, I'd love to be on it. But that's cleared up right away. And I don't, I don't think uh, you should pay them. Now, if you're in the situation where your podcast is making a lot of money, uh, and uh, and you have the ability to pay somebody to be a guest, uh, and you can do that, and you want to reward them for that, I think that would be fantastic. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think that that's an industry standard. Could be wrong, and I would love to hear your thoughts on that if you feel differently. Best way to do it again, 
is over there on Twitter. Clueless on Twitter asks, When looking to improve the quality of sound, what is the best order to tackle? EQ, loudness, compression? This is a great question. One of our other listeners uh, responded to this. Conrad McIntyre says, EQ to get the tone you want, compress to smooth out peak and raise valleys, then volume to boost smooth signal. And uh, to which I replied, oh, if only it were so simple. And he says, I had 140 characters, but this is the conventional wisdom. And I said, and it isn't wrong. That is the conventional wisdom. And order, though, is, is very important. EQ... And let me just break this down and what see if I can address what Clueless is talking about. And no, I, I won't be spending a whole hour talking about this, although I could. It's a great question and a great topic. You want to improve quality of sound. So I would argue that any recording of a human voice needs at least some kind of EQ. And why do I say that? Because the human voice recorded sounds so different than the human voice in person. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get it to be as close as possible to what we would hear or want to hear in person. We're trying to get it to sound good over little headphones, but also good over a car speaker and also good over a home stereo. They're going to sound so different. A little EQ helps you balance things out. And you know who's the best judge of that? You are. You are the best judge of how that person's voice should sound. You, you don't want to change their voice into something else or make them sound like someone else. But if they were talking over a microphone and they sounded a little boxy or a little tinny or a little trebly, you, you want to back that off. You want to boost that uh, mid-range up or, or, or bring down that low end so that you're not you know, vibrating people's cup holders in their cars, which so many people boost the bottom end of their podcast. It kills me. I don't need that much bass. Not everybody can be James Earl Jones or should be. So EQ, that's the first step. And what you want to do is you just want to listen to that person's voice, fire up the EQ plugin in Logic or whatever the uh, editor of your choice is, and just balance things out a little bit. Start by doing with your own voice, record a test track and set it to loop, you know, have yourself reading off a few sentences and there's a way in, in Logic and GarageBand and other apps that'll let you just loop that same track of audio and just mess around, start dragging around sliders and find something that you like. Then once you find one for your own voice, you can even save that as a preset so that the next time that you launch the application and go into edit it, you can pick that default preset for yourself that is the EQ that makes your voice sound the most balanced. You're going for balance, you know? And if you have another co-host who's regularly recording and you know what their mic is and you know what their room sounds like, you know what their voice is, then you can do the same thing for them. Save that as a preset. So then it saves you a lot of time in post. You don't have to EQ them every time if they're always on a similar setup or you don't have to spend as much time EQing them. And then, yes, the next step would be uh, going in and using compression. Compression is wonderful. I've talked about it a lot on this show. Back in the very early episodes of this, maybe second episode, we talked about compression. And I had an engineer on there with me explaining compression. What you want to do with compression and why it can also be dangerous is compression is used to... When, when something is exceptionally loud or exceptionally quiet, compression is going to step in to squash it when it's loud and boost it when it's a little too quiet so that you have a consistent tone. Why do you need to do this? Because people's voices fluctuate in volume as they talk. 
because their proximity to the microphone and the way they address the microphone might change nor as they talk. All of this is normal. So we have compression to help address this problem. Uh, the problem with compression, though, is that it can also enhance or magnify and amplify a little sounds that you don't want. So background noise can get picked up and brought up into the fore where it normally shouldn't be. So you've got to be very careful on compression. I recommend listening to that early episode if you haven't, where we talk in depth about uh, EQ and, and compression as well. And as far as volume and boosting volume, I generally am not that big of a fan of boosting volume unless you absolutely have to. And here's an example of a situation where I would normally boost volume. Let's say that I'm doing a show where I have three or four people, including myself. Let's say I'm here in the studio on a really good mic. I've got another studio guest who's on a really good mic with good technique, and I've got two remote people, one or two remote people. And maybe one of them isn't talking very loudly or their signal kind of was bad or for some reason or other, they were more quiet than everyone else. In that case, I would reluctantly boost their signal by adjusting the volume of that track. But I I might also bring down a little bit some of the other tracks, even the good ones, just a little, just calm down, just a little so that I'm not boosting that one. Because when you boost someone's volume, you can get distortion for sure. But also there's, there's just other artifacts that can be brought into play when you're boosting it a little bit too much. So I'm, I'm very careful about that kind of thing. But yes, Conrad uh, did give a great summary of that answer. And, uh, and really, that's what you want to do when you're talking about improving the quality of sound. That's... That's generally what you're trying to do. You don't want to change the sound of the person. You just want to make it sound more like they would if you were there in person. I hope that. I hope that helps. I would like to thank our sponsor today. It is Squarespace. Make your next move. That's their big slogan that they have now. Make your next move. Make your next website with Squarespace. They make it so easy to create beautiful websites. I've been using Squarespace as a customer and they've been sponsoring our shows for so long. And they're so, to me, like this is the default answer now. When somebody says, I need to make a website, Squarespace. I need to do an image gallery, Squarespace. I want to sell some stuff online and have like built-in shipping and e-commerce that even I can do, Squarespace. You name it, they have a solution for this. They even make logos built in. You can go there and register. They're doing this really fun campaign now where they're, uh, because now they're doing main name registration company. You can go there and like uh, the John Malkovich ads that you've probably seen on TV and around the internet, you can go and register a domain name there and they make it super easy. They got 24 award-winning 24 seven customer support. They got your domains and this works for everyone. Creative people, businesses, musicians, designers, artists, restaurants, you name it, and they got a free trial going on right now. Podcast method is the code to use 10% off your your, uh, first purchase over there at squarespace.com. One more time, squarespace.com. Podcast method, one word, is the code to get 10% off your first purchase. Think about it. You just made that cool iOS app. Now you want a website for it. You want to spend your time building a site? No. Squarespace.com, podcast method, 10% off. Go check it out. Next question. What do you do? I love this one. This is from Baz Lovenberg, who is S-E-J-K on Twitter. 
what do you do when a co-host no longer has time to podcast? End the podcast? Record less? Look for a new co-host? Well, I have had quite the history with people uh, wanting to not do podcasts uh, for one reason or another, haven't I? If you followed the, uh, the drama that has been the podcasting world a few years ago, what happens when somebody says, I don't want to do the show anymore? Or when someone says, I want to do a different show, or I want to just to stop podcasting completely? People, people do that. Even the best shows come to an end sometimes, and that's okay. I've seen, I've seen people do a show and do it for a while, and then one of the hosts says, you know what, I'm, I can't do this anymore. Maybe they get bored of it. Maybe they got a new job. Maybe they had a kid. Maybe they, you know, who knows? And it's, there have been a handful of shows on 5x5 in the past where a host has said, I can't do this anymore, and, and they, they had this show that had an amazing audience and then for whatever reason, they said, oh, you know what? We're going to have to end doing the show. And I'd say, well, I listen to your show. I love your show. Don't end your show. Well, we can't. We got to do, you know, we got to do this. We got to do that. And, it, and it, it's just kind of a bummer. And the thing that always shocks me is a lot of the time people do this and they don't realize today, especially how hard it is to build an audience we're supposed to have these amazing audiences. We've got these great tools, whether it's, you know, whether it's YouTube or whether it's hey, Fireside or, or, or whatever it is that you're using to put yourself out there. We have these great tools, but it's harder than ever to build an audience. If you already have an audience, if you have a podcast and you're getting thousands of downloads per episode or tens of thousands or more, oh, there's no way I'd give that up. There's no way because you'll never get it back. What? You'll never get it back. Listen to me. Hear me now and believe me later. You'll never get it back. When you go and start that next show, if you had 10,000 downloads on the first one, you start another one later, you're starting from zero. You've got you've to crawl your way and scratch and climb your way to get that 10,000. not saying you won't do it, but I'm saying think about why you don't want to do the show anymore. Does... Uh, Baz, does your co-host have really not have time or is there, are, are they reprioritizing their time? Are they saying this podcast doesn't fulfill me enough to take away time from my other hobbies, my family, my job, whatever to do it? Are they saying I'm still passionate about it, but in order for me to justify taking this much time every week to do it, I need, I need some money. And we're not making any money. What is the reason? It's rarely, rarely that they don't have time. Anytime somebody says, oh, I don't, I don't have time to do that, that's BS. I, I honestly believe that. You're telling me that you don't have 60 minutes in a week to do something? That you have 60 minutes to watch TV? I bet you have 60 minutes to, to go on a walk. I bet you oh, spread out over the week. You know what I'm saying? You have it. The same with the people say, well, I don't have time to go to the gym and work out. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You just don't want to. And you know what? That's okay. But let's be honest about it, Baz. Let's be honest. It's that you don't want to, not that you don't have time. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's somebody who really does have two or three jobs and a handful of kids, and they really, truly don't have any more time to do anything else. Really. I believe it. Fine. I'll believe it. Okay, Baz, you twisted my arm. I believe you. But for most people, it's that the reward isn't there. They've gotten bored or they need some money to justify doing it or something. 
And that's okay. The reason is okay. But I'm just saying, I just had to chime in. It's not, probably not about time. So what do you do in this situation where the person says, I don't want to do the show anymore. I can't do the show anymore. What do you do? Recording less is probably not your best bet. It's very, very hard to go and reduce the number of shows that you do in a given week than it is to increase. If you did one show in a week and you go up to two, yeah, people might like that. But going from weekly to biweekly, people don't like that. And you will lose some of your audience. And podcasts, I think people still expect them to be either weekly or 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 daily, but I mean, week, a weekly show, that's what people expect. And if you release the show on Wednesday uh, every week, release the show Wednesday of every week. So I don't think recording less is, is going to help the situation. If you really want to keep doing the show and your host, your co-host does not, then yes, finding a replacement for that host is, is a possibility, but will it work? A lot of the time, what people love about podcasts are the personalities of the people on the show. And it can be really tricky to replace somebody on a show when they're such a big part of the show. If it's you and one other person, replacing 50% of the show is going to change the show by at least 50%. And that might not be what they want, your listeners. My suggestion is, if the other podcaster says, for whatever reason, don't want to, don't have time, I can't do the show anymore. You say, all right, let's end the show. That's, that's my suggestion. Let's end the show. And let's end it in a great way. Let's do a great thank you and goodbye episode. Let maybe do a best of episode in advance of that. And give your, give your listeners some warning. Don't just say, oh, by the way, it's the last episode. Peace. Say, we're going to be ending the episode. We're going to do three more episodes or two or whatever the number is that you're going to do. Tell them that. Let them join you for the going away party that you're about to have. Let them be part of the journey that you've had while you're doing the show. Say, okay, we're going to do two more episodes and then we're going to have a best of goodbye episode. And uh, man, thank you so much. And by the way, here's why we're ending it. My co-host doesn't have enough time, wink, to do it anymore. And, uh, and so we're not going to be doing the show anymore. Sorry. Lots of good shows end. All the best shows, all my favorite TV shows, except for one or two, ended. They're not doing Breaking Bad anymore. Where'd that go? It's done. They're not doing Mad Men anymore. You know, the shows come to an end. They tell a story. Podcasts are the same. You should not expect them to continue forever. At Johnny Mess on Twitter says, I was told at Ikea that those room dividers are sold out and hard to keep in. Told the salesperson it's the Benjamin bump. And uh, you're absolutely right. I, I take complete credit for that. That's They are being, uh, being sold out at all Ikeas across the nation and maybe the world because I said, go get these dividers. But if you have gotten one of those dividers and they're working great, please tell me about it. I would love to hear about it. I have not had a chance to use one yet, but I'm, I'm trying to set up a little new recording area and I think I'm going to try and get a couple of these if they're available. So if you've got one of those Ikea room dividers uh, that I talked about on the last episode, let me know because I definitely want to hear how it's working for you. James Rudd, who is at JHF Rudd with two Ds on Twitter. Hi, James. He says, what's the best way to get robust podcast, podcast analytics in 2017? And uh, I, I interpret this question as uh, 
him uh, ur- urging me to talk about Fireside. That's the only way. The Oh, that's my only answer is I think the best podcast analytics anywhere are the ones that we do on Fireside. Go to Fireside.fm. This is the podcast hosting platform that I built uh, with help. And it is, uh, it, it's, it's what I do probably five plus hours a day, writing code, making it better, doing everything I can to build a place. That's an awesome way for you to put your podcast online. And I have a special discount, 20% off for all y'all listening to the show right now. If you use the code podcast method, 20% off James, I didn't ask you to tweet that, but I feel like I owe you five bucks now. Thanks for doing it. Go check out fireside.fm podcast method code for 20% off your first three months. Bob Mydeke. I hope I'm saying that right, Bob. You and I have tweeted back and forth a lot and I realize I just don't know how to pronounce your name, but I hope I hope I nailed it. Asks, how do you sync up video and audio if I use a separate microphone for recording? And he then comments that the iPhone is his video device. As you should be using a different audio and video source. Uh, you, you don't want to use a built-in microphone on a camera. What you want to do is you either want to go and get yourself uh, a shotgun mic or a lav mic. Or if you're recording sitting at like a traditional interview type situation where you're like in front of a, a real mic, then you want to use that. But no matter what you're doing, and I'll put some lav mics and, uh, and shotgun mics in the show notes. If you're sitting in front of a, of a, of a, of a camera, you want to have a really good mic recording that. You don't want to use that crappy cam. No, there is no such thing as a good camera microphone. There just isn't. So, of course, you want to use something else. And how do you sync those up? Well, if you want to get real professional about it, you can use, uh, and don't laugh, you can use a clapboard like they do in, uh, in the movies. A little uh, thing with the zebra stripes that goes and syncs it up. If you don't want to get one of those because, you know, you think it's a little bit pretentious since you're not making a movie, you can just clap your hands like I just did. So you'd start recording audio, you'd start recording video, and then you just clap your hands. You can see that clap on the waveform of your audio, and you can see the motion and time it perfectly when you're syncing that up in video. I'm assuming you're using something like a Final Cut Pro or, uh, or one of the better tools that are around to, to edit your video later. Even if you're just doing it with iMovie, you can still sync things up that way. And that is absolutely critical. Now, the problem is, depending on how long the video is going for, I've mentioned this before when recording double enders uh, with different people, you will have audio drift. That means that the audio will get out of sync with the video eventually. That doesn't mean that you need to go and edit it every 10 seconds, uh, but you need, to, you need to scrub through your video and watch. And I would say watch and check every couple minutes and see if that uh, audio drift hasn't happened. And what's going to happen is usually the audio will either go faster or slower than the video. Now, there are ways to get around this. And here's, a, here's an interesting way to do it. It's a bit more complicated, but you can do this. And I have done this with great success in the past. And here's what it is. There are uh, many, many uh, different kinds of inputs on cameras, but usually they're going to take like a three and a half millimeter uh, headphone style jack for your input for your microphone, right? So what you do is out of your mixer, you take an output out of your mixer and you send that output from your mixer into your camera microphone. So you're actually recording through a good microphone 
through your mixer with all your presets, DSPs, whatever else going on, compression, inline, live stuff, DBX, 286, whatever. And then you're taking the output of that and you're sending it back into the camera itself. Why would you want to do that? Well, you're not relying on the camera's input anymore. You, you, they're a crappy microphone. You're using your great microphone, but the camera's recording it. And so, of course, it's going to be perfectly synced up to the video every time. So that's another option for you. I recommend that. And there are, all, you know, depending on what preamp or what uh, recording mixer or whatever system you're using, you are going to need a different kind of a cable. But there are plenty of adapters and things that will take an XLR and go down to three and a half, whatever it is that you need. But research that. Now, in your case, Bob, if you're using an iPhone to record it, I don't know if that would work for you. But if you're using any other kind of camera that has a mic input, it would. But you know what? You probably could make something like that work. I'm not sure what the latest iPhone situation is recording with a microphone. If you can get a, like a, if the headphone adapter to the lightning cable would, uh, would work for that, but it'd be worth looking into. But that's an, an old trick. Just letting the camera record your improved audio signal It'll be perfectly synced up. So that's something else that, uh, that you can do. Now, the last thing that I would like to do before we wrap today's show is tell you all to go to podcastmethod.co. I wish I had the com. I wish I had the dot com. I can't get it. The person who owns it, they, don't, they never reply to their emails. I've tried to buy it. I mean, I'm, you know, make it fair. But uh, I would like to get the dot com. Meanwhile, the dot co. And I redid the whole podcast method guide. Uh, it had it'd been more than a year since I updated it. I'm sorry about that. And I wanted to update it with all the new gear that I've been using and trying out. And I wanted to categorize it in a slightly different way. And I wanted to make it look a bit better. And I changed the, the host that I'm using and other things like that. But uh, go to podcastmethod.co and you will see all of the suggestions that I have for different kinds of setups, entry-level gear, intermediate gear, pro gear, a mobile rig, a multi-person studio. And I'm working on some more sections for software, for hosting, uh, and for doing stuff like sound baffling and, and the... Um, the acoustic panels and things like that. But I just wanted to walk through it really quickly and share what I have found uh, here because I think that, that things have changed so much since the last time I did this. And if you're thinking about getting gear, like please go here first and check it out. Even if you don't use my links, I, I get a little Amazon affiliate uh, money, very little, but I get a little if you use these links, uh, which I appreciate. But even if you don't want to use my links, go there as a starting point and uh, and learn learn from this because I've put a lot of thought into this. I hope it helps you. You know, the entry level point is always the toughest one. Finding a place to start where you don't have a lot of money, where you're about to start doing a podcast and you've got very little to no money to put into it. You still need to get set up on Fireside so you can host your show. And you're thinking, man, I, I can't spend $500 to get a Telefunken M82 like Dan has. I can't I can't afford to do that. Well, you don't need to necessarily. I mean, I do this stuff full time. This is my this is my thing. So I need full time pro level equipment. You might, but you might not. And so one way to save a lot of money is to go and get a, a microphone that's good, but not crazy good, but one that's going to last you for a while. And so the microphone that I put on there, and it's controversial, is the Audio Technica ATR twenty five hundred USB cardioid condenser USB mic. It's a USB mic, which means you don't need a preamp, you don't need any additional gear. It plugs right into your Mac or into your PC. It has something else that is very important, and that is right on the front of it. It has a headphone jack. 
you're going to plug your headphones right into that headphone jack. And when you talk to somebody over Skype or however else you're interviewing or talking to somebody, you're going to set the Audio-Technica USB as both your input for the microphone and the output too, so that you will hear yourself for monitoring and your guest over the same headphones, latency-free. Because we've talked many times how important it is to monitor yourself. You'll do it and you'll hear what you sound like coming through the microphone right through that headphone jack. It's got a pretty good, I would say, a pretty good kind of built-in pop filter, um, but you might want to get an additional pop filter, and I didn't even put one in there because it's they're all the same. Just get a $10, $15 pop filter and put it on there if you want, if you find you need it. One of the ways you can get around it is just by changing the angle of, of your mouth when you're speaking toward the mic. I'm doing that right now. I'm what's called off axis. I'm not talking directly into the microphone. I'm talking sort of past it a little bit. So I'm still very close to the microphone. But I can say words uh, like podcasting and poison and plosive without getting that popping sound because I'm not the, the burst of air from my mouth isn't directly hitting the microphone. Now, if I adjust my Uh, adjust the way I'm speaking just a little bit. Now I'm talking directly into it. And if I were to say poison, podcasting, plosive, it would be unpleasant and you would stop listening. But if I just adjust it a little bit, poison, popping, plosive, you don't hear it. So you can do that. And this microphone is $84. That's not a lot of money. It's a great microphone. It'll last you a long, long, long time. And uh, I also recommended some $24, $25 headphones. They're not my favorite headphones. They don't sound that great, but they're comfortable and they give a pretty, pretty good reference microphone for editing. Uh, not microphone, headphones for editing. They're the Sennheiser HD202 professional headphones. They're 25 bucks. They're pretty good. They're, they're not as good as the, uh, as the Sonys that I like, but they're pretty good. And, uh, and I think that they would be fine. And what's nice is you can get them. And then later on, when you want to up the ante and get yourself some really, really great headphones, then you can keep these and you can give them to your in-studio guest or your in-studio co-host so that they can hear themselves when they record. Now, I'm not going to go through everything at this level, uh, but one thing I wanted to talk about here about the intermediate gear there is a microphone that I have on there. It's the Audix D2. I have to tell you about this microphone. This is insanity, this microphone. Insanity. This is one of the most underrated microphones. No one knows about this. No one talks about it. And my friend who is a, uh, an audio engineer, when I first met him, uh, he was working with me and we were doing some sound recordings and things like that. And I said, man, you, you sound great. What are you talking on? What are you talking? This is amazing. What's happening? And he said, oh, you know, I'm on a little dynamic mic here. I said, well, what dynamic mic are you on? Because it sounds better than all the ones I have been sending out to guests and, and co-hosts and telling them to get. It's this Audix D2. Now, originally, you're going to put this thing in front of like a drum kit or congas or horns or something. It, but it works amazingly well for the human voice and it's super small. 
super small. It's made in the USA. It's a great, it had very, very low distortion on this thing. And it's really, really small. And it's 130 bucks. So if you're like wanting to get into a really affordable dynamic mic, that's just great. These things are really awesome. So I just wanted to mention that because I haven't, I wanted to kind of justify my two new microphone choices of what I'm recommending at this level. It's really great. I would get into that and check it out. I still like the Heil PR40 mics. I still list them in, in my pro gear section. And I still think that they are the right mic for the majority of people in podcasting. Uh, for me, still, my personal pick is the Telefunken M82. I don't know that that is going to be right for most people, but if your voice kind of sounds like mine, it'd be worth checking out. I've had other people talk through this microphone, um, other, other guys. I've had um, my co-host on a few other shows, Hattie Cook. Uh, she talked through it. I did not like it. I did not like it for a lot of people, but a couple people who have a voice kind of in the similar range to me when I hear them talk through it, I say, you know, you're going to have to get this mic now. Uh, but anyway, for most people, I think, I think the Hall PR 40 is still a good bet. It's a safe bet. And it's used so widely that there's a, a, a lot of people there who can offer advice and tips and help if that's what you decide to get. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I appreciate all of you listening. Please keep tweeting me and keep sending me email. The way to do that I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter. And when you tweet me with a question about this, please use the hashtag podcast method so that I can associate it with this show. If you want to email me, go to 5x5.tv slash contact. Click on the link for podcast method. That'll send an email to me with the right subject line. So I'll see it and uh, keep doing what you're doing. If you want to support the show, you didn't like my sponsors, but you want to support the show. I appreciate that. Patreon, patreon.com slash Dan Benjamin. That is how you support this show, and I truly appreciate all of that. It makes a huge difference. It, it helps pay the rent, literally. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Thank you to our sponsor, Squarespace. Thanks to me at Fireside. Thanks to you for listening. See you again next week. <laughs>